Have you heard about Anchor? If not, let me introduce you. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. And you can make money with your podcast with no minimum listenership. Whether you have 10 listeners or 10,000 listeners, Anchor will find you sponsors. It's really everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. See you on the other side. Hello and welcome to Monorail News Weekly with your host, Greg Hauser, and your co-host, Taylor Thomas. This is our first episode, so we're going to discuss everything Disney Parks, all the news, and all that good stuff, all that jazz. Um, Taylor, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good on a Friday, thank you. Okay, so I'm sure you heard about the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge news. We talking about Disneyland? Yes, Disneyland, Disneyland. Yep. So, Barron's, in case you don't know, listeners, Barron's put out an article uh, revealing a little bit more about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, they said that Uga's Canteen will be the first location to serve alcohol, but we knew that already. What they interestingly said was that to maximize capacity, it's going to be a standing room only affair. What do you think about that, Taylor? I think it probably makes sense, at least for the beginning. That maybe down the line that might change, but honestly, like in the beginning of it being opened, it's probably going to be the only way they can get a reasonable amount of people in there compared to, you know, the numbers of people trying to get in. But yeah, they said that they're going to have a, um, a handful of booths around the outer edge of the restaurant, but they don't know if you'll be able to reserve those, or if you can reserve those, how you'll reserve those, that's really up in the air at this point. Um, they promised some fun drinks, um, such as a fuzzy uh, Tantuan, uh, which is named for the furry snow lizards, um, that are written in the Emperor Strike, the Empire Strikes Back. Um, so we don't know if that'll be a drink that you'll be able to buy, or if that's just something that they're maybe thinking about doing now. Are you excited for alcohol at Disneyland? You know, this will be the first restaurant outside of Club 33 that serves alcohol at Disneyland. I think that it's, I think that it's exciting. Um, because of where it is, you know, it's not like they're just doing it at a location that already exists, but it's like in a galaxy far, far away. You know, I feel like it's, it's such a different land. You're going to feel, you know, so immersed in the Star Wars land that it's like, oh yeah, well I can have a drink in Star Wars land because it's like, am I even in Disneyland? (laughs) And Star Wars land. You know, not everyone's so interested in um, in alcohol, so they have privates that they're going to have blue milk, which, if you don't know, is what Luke Skywalker drinks in A New Hope. 
Um, it says like it'll be non-dairy. Um, do you think this is their butterbeer? Or they're hoping that this will be their butterbeer? Oh, yeah, I mean, just the name of it. And for what it is, it's definitely, like, the Instagrammable drink. <laughs> That's what you're going to want to get to make sure you get your picture with it. And, you know, see what it's all about. And they don't say if this would be at Uga's Canteen or on Merchant's Row. But what do you think about Merchant's Row? I think it probably will be at both locations if they could. Well, there's something it will be. It will be. But do you th- what do you think about the idea of, like, instead of there being one central gift shop, you having to go to, like, different stands, like you're in, like, an African or Indian market? I love it. So, you know, my favorite place to shop in Disney Springs is the co-op marketplace. I'm all about, like, a more kind of spread out shopping experience where things that are all related are in one place and then you walk over to the next. And, I mean, I think they've done a good job of preparing for the masses. You know, oh, you want to go shopping? Well, let Let's try to sprinkle you around <laughs> in different areas to the merchandise instead of all being confined in in one, you know, quote unquote gift shop. Well, you know, they said that um, what shop is going to feature customizable droids. So you'll be able to make a droid that maybe is afraid of stormtroopers and will signal that fear if a stormtrooper comes close to you. That sounds really cool and really expensive. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I can only imagine the price and probably the line to get these right at first. It's just like those, um, the banshees, you know, that you can do in (laughs) Avatar. So it really Um, They said that they might even sell a full-size, semi-working, you know, R2-D2. That would be... So cool. It'll be for the super fans, and it'll probably right. cost thousands of dollars. Woo. Yes. Not for me. Not for me. Not, not for the majority of people, but for the super fan, probably worth the money. And if there's going to be another shop um, that um, is going to be presided over by, and I know I'm going to butcher this, Doc on Dare. Um, a collector briefly mentioned in Solo, a Star Wars story. Hmm. Um, did you hear about this? No. So this is going to be like an animatronic character that will be set aside in like a booth apart from the rest of the staff. And um, cast members will interact with him and like haggle with him on your behalf. Oh, that's cool. This is reminding me of the bank you can go in and Gringotts. Um, over at Universal, the Wizarding World, you know, they have the, <clears throat> where you can go inside and buy your. Gringotts. I've never been to this Universal place you speak of. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've, I've done it. I've done yeah. it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's I'm really- sure what Disney has will be even better. I'm sure it will be. And especially if you can end up, you know, you'll actually be buying merchandise. Rather than just having a brief interaction with a um, 
uh, an AA that's controlled by somebody in the back, right? Right. So they've said that when you buy merchandise, most likely the the packaging won't have a logo on it or will have minimal logos mm-hmm. because you're actually supposed to be buying it in a land far, far away. Right. And they've said that, like, for example, if you want to buy, like, an artisan figure of Luke Skywalker, right, that'll look slightly off because the residents of Batuu will have never seen Luke Skywalker, uh-huh. so they won't know what he's really supposed to look like. Huh. That's that's um that's extreme seeming, but I like it. <laughs> Do you think that's gonna like really aggravate children who are like, you know, I want the Luke Skywalker doll, and then he looks like nothing like Luke Skywalker? Mm. I think the a child that wants that Luke Skywalker is probably like a Star Wars super fan, so their parents should be able to explain to them like why it doesn't look exactly the same and they'd be like, Oh, that's cool. And then <laughs> the other kids who aren't super fans wouldn't know the difference anyways. You know? Of course, but I wonder if like it'll become like a, a novelty for Star Wars super fans. Like, look at this. I got my Luke Skywalker action figure from Galaxy's Edge. See, he doesn't have eyebrows. I think that's a genius thing on Disney's part because it's like, oh, you want a Luke Skywalker figurine? Like, you could probably find one in so many different places already. But, you know, what's going to set apart some of their merchandise in the park from just regular merchandise that you could buy anywhere? So I think I think that's a cool idea to make it kind of unique. And you heard about when this is opening, right? Is there a firm date? Bob Iger, in a recent interview with Barron's, kind of let it slip. What did he say? He said that they'll start welcoming guests, probably in small batches, you know, Club 33, media, annual pass holders, in, in June. Early summer. Of, of course, it's not final. Yeah, there could be right. a snag with construction that, you know, holds that up. But that's what they're shooting for. I think that would be I think that would be a good good day. Like, I mean, they of course, you know, there's construction and stuff, but they need to get on with it. I, okay, I personally now, want all the crowds out there way for as long as possible before the one in Disney World opens. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely understand. And, you know, based on annual pass holder blackout dates, um, it's easy to assume that it'll likely open on the weekend of June 21st through the mm-hmm. 23rd. I can't promise that. Obviously, that's just complete and total speculation. Right. But book your hotel rooms now. Oh, my God. If oh. they're not already completely booked. Right. Or find your Airbnb. Like, (laughs) you might have to branch outside of the box for the next, you know, the first few months. Couple years. Year, you know, that it's open. (laughs) You might have to sleep in your car. Okay? You just might have to sleep in your car. (laughs) I am just so thrilled that it's opening in Disneyland first. Good luck, California. Good luck. 
<laughs> Even though I know it will still be insane in Florida, but. So, so staying kind of on that Galaxy's Edge um, topic, you heard about the price increases, right? Oh, yeah. I feel like everybody online is freaking out about it as if, you know, we didn't all assume that it would happen. Now, if you don't know, one-day tickets have gone up by over 10%. Um, so, for example, a one-day regular ticket for one park used to be $117. It's now $129. That's the lowest it could be, huh? No, no. The lowest it can be is a value. So that went from 97 to 104 Okay. So, so now you can't get in for under $100 no matter what day it is. I just felt like that. It's, you know, I mean, it's definitely, it is significant. But, you know, we just went through the whole changing of the pricing system, you know, date-based. And I've kept wait, my... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You think that's significant? Wait until I tell you about the premier passport price. Okay, if you don't know, the Premier Passport is a special ticket that gets you into both Disney World and Disneyland. It used to be priced at $1,579. That would be roughly about 25% off of if you bought um, both annual passes. Mm -hmm. It is now $1,949. Putting it well over $2,000 with your California state taxes. Big, huge increase. That's almost an unbelievable increase. I wonder, though, how many people, like, how many people have that annual pass? Well, it can't be that many, right? I mean. It cannot be that many. And how many people are going to Disney World and Disneyland often enough to justify it? I don't, I mean, it's just, it's gotta be a small number, whatever it is. Even like, the professional bloggers and travel planners, you know, even they don't have, you know, they've got teams on, in both places. They're not, have the same person traveling back and forth all the time. It's so far. It really is uh, a, a long way. And, you know, in California, they don't have Fast Pass Plus. Nope. They have Max Pass. You pay for it. You pay for it. And now you pay $5 more. It went from $10 to $15 a day. I wonder if it's... If there's, like, stats on if it keeps it more efficient than the system we have in Florida. You know? I mean, this is honestly the system I kind of wish Florida would have gone with, right, Mm -hmm. where there's no advanced FastPass booking, but you can book on your phone when you're there that day. Right, right, once you get there. I, I, I think that is... To me, a bit of a better option because you know, then you ha- might have a chance to get a flight of passage fast pass. Yeah, it's so it it is so difficult doing the advanced bookings 
Um, and even, you know, that's coming from us, like professionals at it. And that's not the majority of the people. The majority of people don't even know how to go about doing it, you know, and it's so it's like, oh, OK, let me help you get your fast passes. Hold on. Let's sit down and have a two hour conversation about it because it's I mean, that complex. I, I even heard um, through another podcast with Tomorrowland Transit Authorities. It's great. Go listen to it with Rob and Christine. Christine. It's going to write some articles for us and uh, put videos on MonroeNews.com. But um, uh, Rob was talking about how he was there just a couple weeks ago and uh, saw a family that thought that by having a magic band, you got <laughs> fast passes. I, I mean, I giggle, but it's sad because I can totally see that happening. I feel sorry for those people. Yeah. Okay. Last time, a couple of weeks ago, when I was down, I was at Big Thunder Mountain and saw a couple with their two kids having a full-blown argument because um, the girlfriend or the spouse or the wife or whatever she was didn't properly book the fast passes and didn't have a fast pass for herself. Oh, I think it was a full blown, a full blown meltdown. That's, you know, and so I've got the trip planned in March and I, this is probably like the biggest group I've planned for. There's seven people total. And when I tell you that every time I go into the app, something is wrong or like plays a trick on me. Like sometimes when I go in the app, it'll say that like I only have three people booked for a fast pass when I know I booked seven people and then I'll go on the website and it'll be right on the website. But for whatever reason, it was like messed up looking in the app. It wasn't actually messed up, but if I hadn't have gone and checked on the website, then I would have been freaking out because it looked like my fast pass was messed up. I and mean, it, I un- go ahead. It's been doing that all the time. I mean, I kind of understand that. I mean, millions of people are coming every day. You have to, there's bound to be some technical glitches. But, but, I mean, really? I mean, these are some major, major glitches. And I mean, 90, 95% of the time, it works great. But that 5% of the time, when you really need it to work, and, and it doesn't work, and it really messes it up because you have to be so planned. I mean, you absolutely have to be. You almost have to be like military about it. Yes. Well, and even now, like, okay, so we're going. It's the first week of March. Mardi Gras break here in New Orleans, uh, but not most places in the country. Very early to really call it spring break time. But let's just, you know, say you put it in that spring break period. Not like a high peak time of the year. You know, like all the parks are closing at 8, 8.30 at night. You know, I got on, you know, 60 days in advance to book our fast passes. I was 30 minutes late, okay? It opened at 7 a.m. I'm on at 7.30. There is not a single flight of passage fast pass for any of the five days that we were going to be there. You did have seven people. Or okay. don't you? It's I, a separate even, trip. 
I even tried to like bring it down to two. I was like just gonna do me and Jess and just yeah 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 through the other five friends you know they're not riding do something else and nothing nothing not any day not at eight p.m. at night nothing. So let's pivot a second, and we'll come back to um, Pandora news and some other news. Let's talk about something that uh, just broke today. Um, this will be, I think, tomorrow for everybody listening. Um, we now have the name and more details about the space restaurant at yep. Epcot. Give us all you the read, You read this article, right? I assume. I admit I skimmed it. Come on, it's three paragraphs. I okay. know that work. <laughs> work comes first. Okay, so um, the space restaurant will be operated by the Patina Restaurant Group, which is the group that runs Vianopoli and Morimoto Asia and the Edison. And Lorenzo's Hideaway and all of those delicious restaurants at Disney Springs, Epcot, and they even own some in New York. If you've ever been to Rockefeller Plaza and you've been to any of those restaurants, that's them. Absolutely excellent food. Well, they're going to operate this space-themed restaurant. It's going to be named Space 2020. Do you know why, Taylor? No. Well, the International Space Station orbits 220 miles above the Earth. Mm-hmm. And this ride, I'm sorry, this restaurant, this attraction-like restaurant, will simulate orbiting 220 miles above the Earth. Simulate? Well, yeah, they're going to have the giant windows. You're not going to be, like, turning, to my knowledge, or anything. <laughs> it's not going to be another, uh, oh, what's... It's not going to be Mission Space this time with food. No, in the land pavilion, the garden grill. <laughs> no, no, it won't be the garden grill, to my knowledge. <laughs> Good. Now, you might wonder, how are they going to transition you from Epcot to an orbiting space restaurant? A long hallway. <laughs> well, if you've been to uh, One World Trade Center Observatory or the Empire State Building um, in New York City, um, the elevators like have these screens on all the walls, and it looks like you're like shooting up. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to be, apparently. Oh, that's cool. So sort of reminiscent of like the hydrolators. From the Seas Pavilion before Nemo came in, where it like simulated you going down to like yeah. the depths of the ocean floor. Or I hate to mention them again, but over at the Universal, <laughs> when you're going uh, into the the bank vaults, that big elevator at Gringotts, it's really cool. Is that really a real elevator? <laughs> Not to get off topic. No, no. I think there's just hydraulics in the floor. Right. That that has to be it. Okay. So the the next piece of news, there's a lot of it. Um, The soundtrack has been released for Pandora 
the world of Avatar. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I was so excited when I saw that because I love all the park music. You can stream it on Apple Music um, if you have a subscription there. Or you can buy it on iTunes for $9.99. It features 12 tracks from the world of Pandora, including a ride-through of the Flight of Passage and Navi River Journey, um, a walk-through of the ambient noise at Pandora, some music from Wind Traders and Satuli Canteen and Pangu Pangu um, as well. Nothing better than putting on some park music when you're stuck at home. And you miss being in the parks. It's like when you put the music on, it's like it takes you right back there. It's so it's so great that they have released it. I, I mean, I, I love m- m- the park music. Me too. So. Listening to some uh, earlier. I'm sorry. I was listening to some earlier, not the um, not the Pandora, news, but um. Spotify has a bunch of good playlists out there. If you just Google like Walt Disney World, it'll so, come- so, so speaking of music, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. That's fine. Speaking of music, um, you know Disneyland is going to have Mickey's Mix Magic beginning uh, next week on the 18th. Oh, I'm um, so interested to see footage from this when it happens. It's going to be a fireworks show and a projection show all across the park. Um, it's going to feature lighting on rivers of, rivers of America, the castle, Main Street, lasers. It's a small world. Um, it's going to feature a new song called It's a Good Time. It's a good, good time. Which you, that's not how it sounds. But you can stream it <laughs> on Spotify. Who's singing it? Uh, a group called the Decompressors. Do we know them? Or are they? They did some music for like one of the Madagascar movies. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the song, but the more I've been listening to it today, the more it's grown on me. Right. It's kind of like rap. Um. But you can stream It's a Good Time on Spotify and Apple Music. If you want that link, you can go to monorailnews.com and click right through it. Um, the whole show itself, though, is going to have an interesting um, playlist. It's going to have It's a Good Time, I Want to Be Like You, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, Friend mm-hmm. Like Me, Grim Grinning Ghost, Un Poco Loco, um, and Let It Go along with a finale version of It's a Good Time. We couldn't do it without a little bit of Frozen, could we? No, no, it has to be there to promote the release of Frozen 2 this year. True. It has to be it. I'm ready for the... Man, I was ready for Frozen to fade, but I guess it can't. Frozen 2. No, no, it's not going to fade. It's not going to fade. So, you know, this is... um. The last year for Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. Okay, we need to talk about this because I am confused. Sure. I thought it was ending at the end of the summer and we were having a stand-in thing for the rest of the year. It is, it is. But they're just still calling it Illuminations, Reflections of Earth? No, it's going to be called Epcot Forever. So when does that start? They haven't said yet. 
Oh. I assume sometime at the end of the summer. Okay. But, you know, if you're a lover of illuminations like I am, you might want to jump on this new dining package at Rose and Crown. Have you, did you hear about this? Yeah. Which is exciting because everybody likes Rose and Crown, right? You'll be able to get your cheese platter, your fish and chips, um, your sticky toffee pudding, all the stuff you love. Um, for just $85 for adults and $35 for children. That's a good price for kids. Um, it's going to last about 90 minutes, um, ending with the show itself. Um, booking begins on the 17th um, for dining time starting the next day, the 18th, at 8 p.m. So jump on that if you like. You get, um, um, can you get alcohol? Yes, um, I believe there will be um, unlimited alcohol. There you go. So there's, that makes it totally worth the yeah, $85. There's your price qualifier right there. I mean, the, that is that is a, a great, great spot to view the show. You can get smashed walking around uh, Royal Showcase and conclude it by getting even more drunk. You drink $85 worth of alcohol uh, to make your meal worth it. Hashtag drinking around the world. <laughs> so this uh, this doesn't really uh, apply to us being Americans, but uh, the new Star Wars attraction, the Ant-Man and the Wasp Nano Battle, um, is going to open on March 31st at Hong Kong Disneyland. Interesting. Um, this is going to be sort of like Buzz Lightyear. Um, you'll be given um, electromagnetic pulse guns and asked to shoot at Hydra's um, man um, swarm bots, <laughs> um, which will be trying, which they'll be using to try and steal the arc reactor atop Stark Tower in Kowloon, Hong Kong. I really wish they would. I think I told you about it. The the ride at Legoland, um, the game ride that you use your arms, the motion of your arms to hit your targets instead of a gun. And it was so much more fun than aiming a gun at something. And Nothing's more fun than aiming a gun at something. <laughs> Don't lie to the people. I'm not lying. And it was a workout, too. I wish they would... I mean, like, we've all done Buzz Lightyear. We've all done Midway Mania. Yes, it's fun, but, like, there's new technology out there. Can we Can we get – I mean, freaking Legoland had it. Legoland. Not putting I mean, Legoland that's out. That's what like this it. is, I guess. That's what this is going to be. Um, it, it's even going to feature, um, like, actual film-level quality clips with the um, the actors. Um so Ant-Man and the Wasp will actually be in this ride. I you get to battle know. alongside them. I love a bunch of Marvel stuff, and I have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Okay, well, I need to see it then. I missed the boat on it. I was like, Ant-Man? Hmm. It's, it's awesome. It's hilarious. It's, it's, it's perfect. Okay, I'm going to watch it. Okay, so let's talk about um, a guy 
who maybe we haven't heard much from in the past six months, John Lasseter. Uh-huh. John Lasseter has landed a job as head of animation at Skydance Studio. He must really just want to work, I guess, because it seems like he could have just retired and gone on the Now, if you you don't remember, um, Mr. Lasseter um, was accused by various Pixar employees of inappropriate behavior, including... um, rubbing females' legs and kissing them on the lips, um, and also giving unwanted hugs. <laughs> uh, Mr. Lasseter will replace Bill Damashackle, um, a former DreamWorks animation executive, who, had, who was brought on to head up this animation department in October of 2017. Hmm. Um, Skydance, although you might not have heard of them, they put out the Mission Impossible movies and various Star Trek movies, and they're currently working um, to follow up on Top Gun and Gemini Man. Um, the, their first animated fequel, uh, feature is going to be called Luck, um, a comedy about a battle between good and bad luck, and Split, a fantasy about a teenager dealing with magical powers. Um... You can expect those movies to hit theaters sometime um, after 2021. Hmm. It's all it's all interesting with him. I mean, obviously, I don't think I don't think his legacy that he leaves will will ever be, you know, completely tainted or you know I mean I think everybody will always remember him for what he did at Pixar and I mean you can't watch a Pixar movie without seeing his name at the end of it now you can but uh now we can for the for the rest of (laughs) for the rest of time but none of the ones that we had so far I mean it's it's unfortunate that you know this has become part of of his legacy, but you know that's yeah. Everybody's everybody's more than one thing. Just because he was talented at his job didn't mean he didn't do bad things as a person. And just because he did bad things as a person doesn't mean he wasn't really good at his job. So I think you just have to remember to look at both things when you think about him now. So moving on to a happier subject, a lighter subject. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pixar. Go go ahead, go ahead. I said, but we love Pixar. <laughs> Pixar is awesome. Yeah. Lasseter's work is awesome. Yeah. I really love his Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, Disney has bought more land in Osceola County. Mm. Did you hear about this? Yeah. So you know, you might have heard of Orrin Brown. No. Well, he's a legendary rancher. He refused to sell his land to Walt Disney back in uh, the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, finally, his descendants have agreed to um, sell the land to Disney. Um, BK Ranch is what it's called. Not a Burger King item. Uh, <laughs> BK Ranch um, for $11 million. 
Sell it, guys. Sell that ranch. Get your money. <laughs> now, this land is not part of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, so it is unlikely it will be used um, as land for any future expansion. But we are speculating that it will be used for, like, um, water conservation and wetland mitigation, mm-hmm. which is typically what Disney does with land before they build something new on property. So it looks like this, along with the br- the Brown estate they purchased, um, is a sign of some sort of expansion on property. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's exciting and stressful to me all at the same time. What could it be? Could it be a new park? Could it be Villain's Kingdom? The park that I have seen my dreams every night? It's like so many things that would be so exciting, but at the same time, like we've talked about it before. How much can we fit into a, a Walt Disney World vacation? Like we're already pushing our limits. We are pushing our budgets to get everything done, which is which is great for the company. Like you have to come back multiple times to really do everything and see everything, but it just gets harder and harder, you know, but that's that's so awesome, right? You're encouraging people to come back. Now there, there's a lot of people, don't get me wrong, who make one once in a lifetime trip. Right. And I, I feel like, if we had the internet, and it was as big as it was when they built Hollywood Studios and, and Animal Kingdom, right? I bet you the same argument would come up. Right. Right. How much can you do? You know, because previously, you go to Disney World for the weekend, right? You go to Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios is a half-day park. You fly out. Right. You go mm-hmm. for a long weekend. But now it's become a week, right? It's become oh, yeah. anywhere from... Four to five days, right? So now it's going to become anywhere from six to seven days. Yeah. And I, I mean, even like a, if I was advising like someone who's not even really into Disney family, they got some kids. They're like, we should take them to Disney World. I could easily convince them and fill up seven days worth of stuff. Sure. I'm <laughs> because people forget it's not just four theme parks. It's four mm-hmm. theme parks, two water parks, Disney Springs, five golf courses, water sports, tennis. Literally, if you want to do it, you can probably do it at Walt Disney World. Yes. I mean, people like me and you could fill two and a half weeks easily with activities not like oh well we're gonna sit by the pool you know for a couple of days no i'm talking about like for real activities no i mean disney is the only vacation that you get back from and you go man i need a vacation i need to take an extra day off from work (laughs) (laughs) i need a day to sleep in because i did rope drop for three days no, I mean, I've been called the Energizer, Energizer Bunny at Walt Disney World because I go and I go and I go and I'll wear you into the ground. <laughs> Great. I got the Epcot rash, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, you did get the Epcot rash. 
get worse than that. Which is, guys, that's the name for a real rash. Go Google it. It's not something we're making up. That's a real thing. It's an exercise-induced rash, okay? (laughs) And it's not not called exercise rash. It's called Epcot rash. (laughs) The internet told me this. Yeah, it's true. It happens. It happened to me. So, Taylor. And I'm a fairly in shape person, if I do say so. You are. You are. You're a dancer. <laughs> I mean, you're you're definitely more in shape than I am. Like, I get blisters. My <laughs> legs hurt. Oh, man. Like, you go to the hotel room, you're like, I don't know if I can do this again. And then yeah, next thing you know, at 9 a.m., you're back walking through Magic Kingdom. <laughs> and then you walk another 12 miles. Yeah. That's the real Disney magic. You can sweat for 12 hours and still gain weight. Yes. But, I mean, you know, that's that's the Disney World balance. 12 miles and three cupcakes later. So, Taylor, do you like beer? I do not like beer. I have tried many different beers, spent years of my life sampling different ones to try to like and I can occasionally have like half of a blue moon with five orange slices in it but maybe maybe ballast point which opens this Wednesday at downtown Disney will change your mind why do they have ballast point is the first brewery to go in to downtown Disney it's going to um, have 100 tap lines um, and 50 styles of beer. There'll be something for everyone except for me because I don't drink. That's a but, huge amount. But I'll tell you, I will love the menu here because they're going to have pretzel bites and homemade pimento cheese and nachos and pork belly and mm-hmm. wings and all sorts of salads and flatbread and burgers and fish tacos. And beer batter fish and chips. And, oh my gosh, a victory at Sea S'mores dessert. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's going to have chocolate custard, graham crumbles, and burnt marshmallow. I need to get on a plane this week. That is your kind of dessert right there. That does all sound like the most amazing kind of bar food. Now, they did say ballast point is born and raised in central in Southern California, so we're particularly excited to strengthen our relationship with the local Anaheim community and beyond. This new location also gives our passionate brewing and culinary teams the perfect place to test nearly innovative offerings. As we welcome longtime Ballast Points fans and introduce new guests to the brand. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It looks awesome. They're gonna have four thousand square feet of restaurant, three thousand square feet of indoor dining, of, I'm sorry, of outdoor dining, with festive lighting and cabana-style seating, all with fantastic views of the downtown Disney district. It's going to be in the old Build-A-Bear workshop building. <laughs> so much better than that. And of course, we're also looking for um, forward to Black Tap um, Burgers and Brewery, I believe it's called, which is out of New York. They do awesome crazy milkshakes like slices of cake and donuts and candy all on top like you the most amazing hamburgers you'll ever have and i believe i have beer too so it's just all around 
awesome I've been. I'm anxiously awaiting it to open at Disneyland. We gotta go. Absolutely. <laughs> we gotta get out there. So, I think that about does it for our first episode. Always. If you have any questions or comments or feedback, which please do give it to us because it's our first episode. We want to know what you think, what we can change, what we can do better. Go to monorailnews.com and select contact us and fill out the little form and just send your feedback. Also, join our Discord and chat live with myself and Taylor and plenty of other fun Disney fans. Um, you can find that link in the sidebar at Monorail News. Follow us on Twitter at Monorail News and Facebook. Um, Taylor, where can they find you on social media? They can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, Taylor E. Thomas. Instagram, Taylor E. Thomas. Um, yep, Twitter, Twitter is kind of my main Disney place. Absolutely. So, thank you all for joining us for this, our very first episode of our new weekly podcast. Have a great, big, beautiful day. Bye, everybody.